thank you, Father, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for you never leave us alone. You stick with us. And God, I pray this morning as we'll be diving in your word, I ask for your spirit to be fully present here. That, Lord, you would invite us to see your truth and also embrace it and walk in your truth. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And before you sit down, I want us to read together Psalm 88. Uh, Psalm 88. And we're going to have the words up on the screen as well uh, for you to follow as I read this passage. Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night, I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with the troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. You are cut off, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends, and you have made and you have made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known to the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the end of, of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my, from my youth, I've suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and I'm in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor, and darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord, extremely depressing. Sit down and let's talk about this. Uh, one of the you know, things that, um, kind of one of the lessons that I learned uh, last year, maybe, or it came to me the most, I guess, I've shared here a couple of times, is... Uh, to, to learn to sit in uncomfortable situations. Because every single time you encounter something that you're uncomfortable with, your tendency is to want to fix it. You know, you want to like, let's sort this thing out. More especially when you are sitting in a pain that someone else is experiencing. And you're sitting across them and they're telling you of what's going on. It makes us feel uncomfortable that we want to fix that situation. But there are moments when God does not call us to fix it, he actually calls us to sit with it. You know, there are times when God does not call us to fix it, but he calls us to sit through it, you know, to just be in that situation. And then I was thinking more of this when I was reading this psalm, because this psalm, it's easy for you to just glance over it, because it makes us feel extremely uncomfortable, you know, to just sit and see the anguish, see the pain. Uh, you know, what's going on here. We're very uncomfortable with beholding brokenness. 
you know, that we cannot just sit and behold brokenness. Because when you see and behold brokenness, uh, you are reminded that you are limited. You know, you're powerless, you're limited, you cannot fix everything. You know, when you're going to behold brokenness. But also when you behold brokenness, there is an invitation for you to be broken by that brokenness. You know, and we are uncomfortable and we don't want to get involved like that. We don't want to say yes to that call. But yeah, you read this psalm and apart from noticing like the anguish that, uh, you know, the writer is going through, um, but this psalm is also like different. It never ends on a hopeful note. You know, most psalms, when you read them, you know, David complains. Like, he would go and say, like, how long have you forgotten me, Lord? You have rejected me, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, he would end up by saying, but still I'll trust in your unfailing love. You know, still I'll trust in your faithfulness. I'll praise you, my Lord. He always ends on a hopeful note. But this psalm ends, like, you know, he ends, he says, darkness is my closest friend. That's where it ends. Like, there's no hope, you know, in this. Like, come on, where is the hope? And actually, the one who wrote this psalm is not David, but a guy called Hanan. You know, and this guy was a worship leader. Like, I thought worship leaders were joyful people. Like, what's going on? You know, but you see him, like, describing these deep emotions, and he's going through despair and anger and anguish and distress and confusion. You know, he's going through, some people have coined it to say, uh, the dark night of the soul. He's going through the dark night of the soul, which involves um, a loss, you know, of, of meaning in life, feeling empty, and you feel like there's no purpose, so there's confusion, and everything else that you can see is just darkness, just darkness. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that, but you know, this psalm is very personal to me because I have been in a situation like this. I... There was a period of my life for two years where I went through a season that all I could see was darkness, you know, tears every single day. And, you know, I was still a believer, a Christian, following Jesus, and that meant I needed to read my Bible and pray. Uh, and I could not pray. I could not, like, read my Bible. And the only scripture I was able to read and the only prayer I could pray was Psalm 88. Because I read Psalm 8, I was like, whew, finally, somebody who can relate to me. You know, know that hope thing nonsense. You know, he does not end on a hopeful note. You know, there are those moments where somebody comes to you and, and you're going through something hard and they say, God is good. God is kind. You'll be fine. And you're like, come on, don't tell me that stuff. I don't want to hear that things. I was in a situation like that. So Psalm 8 was like a God to prayer and a God to scripture that I read for, that, for those two years just reading it over and over again. I don't spend an hour just reading it. So I would enter into like prayer and came out of it more depressed than I, than I entered that season, that time. And sometimes you can find yourself in a place like that. But you see, you know, the anguish and the pain that he's going through. You see like all kinds of pain that he's experiencing here. There's physical pain. He experiences physical pain. He says, I feel weak. And I feel weak here. He talks about mourning and bawling and crying all day, all the time. You know, he talks about experiencing these terrors. Actually, in his own term, he says, your terrors to God. He tells God, your terrors. Probably like nightmares, you know, that could have been related to trauma. 
I mean, he experiences his mental and emotional health, uh, pain, like a lot of it. He talks about how he's overwhelmed with trouble. You know, he's lost his sense of self. He says, like, I am, I am closer to death, closer to the pit. He feels forgotten. He feels way forgotten. He has no joy. All he's got is sorrow. I know. He, say, he feels like he's, he's good for nothing because he says, I have been set apart, but I could have been set apart for death. I've been set apart for death. And I remember going through that season in my life when, you know, other people, you know, go through life and they might be scared that they will not wake up in the morning. You know, for me, I was scared that I'm going to wake up in the morning because I'm going to wake up to the same troubles, the same problems. So the mornings were hot. The mornings had terrors, you know, for me. So you see, you see that he's in despair, and that means without hope. He's lost a sense of purpose and meaning. But also he has relational pain. You know, he has nobody around him. He's lost community. There's no community around him. And he has no friends, no company. You know, actually he's, he says God has made him repulsive towards people. Like he doesn't want to be with people at all. He doesn't want to relate with people, sit with people, talk to people. Have you ever been in that situation where you're like, I don't want to talk to anybody? So he feels that I like times 100. And then he has spiritual pain where he feels like God has rejected him. God has stopped hearing his prayers. How many times does he plead for God to hear him? So many times that he pleads with God to hear his prayers. You know, those moments when you pray your prayers and you feel like your prayers are hitting the wall. He is feeling like that. He feels abandoned. He feels abandoned. It's rough. And sometimes you ask why, you know, why this and and why he, somebody else can go into a pain like that or through a pain like that. And probably some of us have been in hard situations, hard seasons, where when you are going through that hard season, you remember how hard it was. But you go to the other side and you are like, oh, now I see. Now I see what was happening. These are the things that I learned, you know, through that hard season and we find probably three realities about hard seasons sometimes a hard season reveals a weak foundation that you had in your life it might reveal a weak foundation that you had in your life you know pain is going to expose the foundation of your faith pain is going to expose the foundation of your trust you know there are times that we discover that actually our trust was built on a weaker foundation it was not built on a solid rock you know there are times that you trust God and you know that I trust God I trust Jesus but when certain things are taken away from you then you realize oh maybe I maybe my trust was not really built you know on something that was solid you know some of you maybe you can relate you have gone through a season and you are like I knew that God was faithful but having gone through that now I know that God is faithful. You know, I knew that God cares, but having gone through that, now I know that God really cares. Because there are moments that you don't really, you thought you, your foundation was solid, but you realize actually it wasn't when you have gone through a hard season. You know, it's like somebody else telling you God is good uh, after you got your paycheck. 
you know, you've just closed this like great business deal and somebody says, God is good. You're going to be jumping 20 times like, of course, he is good. What a good God that we save. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? But that money is gone and you're on the 15th of January and you're like, I don't know, man. I don't know if he is, you know, because your great faith, your great trust was not in God, but it wasn't the thing that you had. Wasn't the gift that you had. So a hard season is gonna expose that. It's gonna reveal, you know, your foundation. Where's the foundation of your faith? The foundation of your trust. Where is that? I think the second reality is that sometimes a hard season redefines your purpose and fulfillment. Redefines your purpose and fulfillment. You know, going through a dark night of the soul where you, you've lost a sense of meaning and purpose and and, and, and you realize that I don't know, you know, the source of my purpose right now. Because your life has been turned upside down. The things that you knew how life works is no longer the same. It's no longer there. Now your reality is different. And now you need to find your purpose in something that's solid. You know, maybe you allowed your relationships to redefine or to define your relationship your purpose and fulfillment and now that relationship is gone and because that connection is gone now you don't have a purpose so then you need to get your purpose redefined it has to be found in something better maybe you allowed your work the things that you do your business your school whatever the things that you do you allow those things to define you to define your purpose to determine how you experience joy. Another thing is gone. Another thing is no longer there. And now you need to find your purpose in something else that's solid. And the thing that we've got, that when we lose everything else, we have one thing that remains, and that's God. When we lose everything else, God remains. He's the one that we've got, and it is in Him that now we find our purpose and fulfillment in God he redefines the source of your joy the source of your fulfillment the source of your purpose so therefore a hard season can actually be an opportunity for your purpose to be redefined and finally a hard season you know realigns what you value the most when you're going through a hard season it can actually challenge your values and you don't know that you value something so highly until it's taken away from you, until it's gone. Then in that moment, it's like, wow, I had no idea the amount of value that I'd put in that thing. And when that thing is gone, now you need to embrace what is it that you value the most. And hopefully it's going to be God. That I value God. I value connection. I value relationship. So a hard season can be an opportunity for your values to be realigned and more so to be realigned with God's values. Because you know that the thing that God has put a stamp on, that's going to last forever. Now, I have one invitation for you from this passage. And the invitation I have is go to God. Go to God. Go to God. You know, you see it in this passage, the psalmist. You know, the psalmist is in anguish and in pain. But guess what he does 
with his pain. He's actually taking it to God. Because he is complaining and he is crying. But who is he crying to? He's crying to God. You know, he has questions, all kinds of questions. But he's taking those questions to God. Because God is able. He can handle your questions. God can handle your pain. He's being very honest with his pain. He's very open with what's going on. And even saying, hey, it feels like you've abandoned me, you've rejected me. It feels like these terrors are coming from you. But he's taking those to God. He's confessing his hardship to God. So it matters where you take your pain. It matters where you take your questions. But are you willing to take those to God? Are you willing to go with your questions, with your confusion? Are you willing to take that suffering, that pain to God? Because it is important for you to do that. It is important to go to God because when you go to God, you embrace what's true. When you go to God, you embrace what's true. Verse 1 says, Lord, you are the God who saves me. That's what he says. Lord, you are the God who saves me. And that was like, you know, looking at the rest of the things that he says. But then he still recognizes as God, the one who saves him. In that moment, he wants to remind himself of what's really true. Because when you're going through a painful season, you're going to be blinded to what's really true. You're going to be blinded to who God is. And he wants to still embrace what's true about God, that God saves, that God is faithful, that God is kind, that God is good. You want to embrace what is true. So he says, Lord, which means Yahweh, Lord, you are the God who saves me. You are the God who saves me. He knows that his salvation can only be found in God. So you need to lean on what's true because your situation may change, but what's true never changes. What's true remains the same. What's true will never ever change. And that's why you need to hold on to what's true. That everything else around me is actually moving, but I know one solid thing is that what's true is never going to change. Now, when you go to God, you're going to find out that actually truth is a person because Jesus is the truth he is the truth you know Jesus is truth personified where when you go to Jesus Christ you realize everything else is a lie but Jesus is the truth that I need in my life and thank God for Jesus because if you if you read this psalm and, and say where is the hope where is where is that hope your only answer is Jesus Bass. That's where your hope is. Your hope is Jesus. Right in the face of anguish, despair, meaninglessness. Right in the face of purposelessness. Right there, Jesus is your hope. He is what's true. He is the truth. So go to God because then when you go to God, you're going to embrace, fully embrace what's true. And finally, when you go to God, you can go to God because God comes to you. You can go to God because God comes to you. Uh, this week I was talking with Kate, my wife, who's extremely intelligent. I asked her a question. I said, um, what's one thing about Jesus that gives you hope? And she said, um, the incarnation, because Jesus comes to us. Jesus is God who comes to us. And I was like, 
Thank you for helping me preach this week, Bear. That's going to be point number two. Well, you should go to God. You go to God because God comes to you because your only hope is Jesus. You know, every other religion is going to, you know, promise you of something good that you're going to find in a God, but you actually have to do certain things to go and find that God, which is way different with our God, with Jesus. Jesus is way different because God knows that we need him, but he does, he does not wait for us to go to him. He actually comes to us. You know, he comes to us. And there are times when we do this to people, maybe somebody has done this to you, that, you know, you know that you have something that somebody needs, and you don't go to them because in your mind they need me, right? So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to be asked. I'm going I'm to wait to be found. Because being found actually you know, makes us feel important. You know, being asked makes us feel important. However, the crazy thing is that when we do things that way, we don't do it because we don't need them, they need us, but actually we do it because we need them to feel important. You know, their presence affirms our superiority. So essentially, really, we need them so that we feel the importance. And when they are not present, we don't feel important at all, which is way different with God, because God does not need you, but you need God. But guess what he does? Because you need him, he comes to you. He comes to you. He does not demand that you go to him. No, he knows that he doesn't need you to feel important or to feel valued. Actually, you need God. So he goes to you. He comes to you and we see that in Jesus we see a God who comes to us he is our Emmanuel God with us so where is your hope is in Jesus your hope is in Christ now as we finish I was more drawn to the questions that the psalmist does ask you know in this passage and um, you know just paraphrasing some of the questions you know, that he's asking is, he's wondering, he's like, can you show, this is talking to God, can you show your wonders to the dead? Is that possible? Paraphrasing, can the dead have a miracle that they can live and praise again? Can anybody be in a place where they are dead but yet experience God's love? Is it possible for your faithfulness to be shown even in the face of destruction? Is that even possible? Is it possible for somebody to experience your wonders even in the middle of darkness? Is it possible? Now, these are questions, but at the same time, they are statements explaining his status. This is where he is at. This is what's going on in his life. He feels so dead inside that he's not sure if he can see God's wonders, or even recognize a wonder from God. He's so dead inside that he cannot even imagine coming to a place where he's able to lift his hands and praise God. I don't know if, if you've ever been in a situation like that, where you fail to worship God. He feels like that, but ten times more. He's in a hard situation where there's no life, and he cannot imagine experiencing God's love in that situation. There is so much disruption and destruction around him that he cannot imagine experiencing God's faithfulness 
in that situation. There's so much darkness around him that he cannot even imagine being surprised by God's work. But you and I have actually an advantage to this guy because you and I have heard about Jesus. You and I know Jesus and we have the privilege. And actually, not only that, but you and I are a testament. You and I are a testimony that God can make dead things alive again. You and I are a testament that God can bring the dead to life and they can raise their hands and praise Him again and say that He is worthy. You and I, even right in the middle of distraction, are a testimony that we can experience God's faithfulness and that we have seen that God is faithful. God's faithfulness means that God has committed to stick with you even when you are unable to stick with Him. Because when we are faithless, He's always what? Faithful. He's always faithful. In Christ, you and I are a testimony that God becomes our light right in the middle of darkness. You know, John, in John chapter 1, you know, talking about Jesus, he says, the people who lived in the darkness have seen a great light. Have seen a great light. And that's Jesus. Jesus is our light. He's our light. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? I know some of you will be going through a hard season now. Some of you will be going through a season that's rough. But I want to just take a moment where we can come to God and just let ourselves be, find ourselves in Christ and say, Jesus, you are my hope. Jesus, you are what's true. And I want to embrace that. I want to hold on to that. To recognize that He comes for you. He never leaves you in that state. He comes for you. So just offer a prayer to God. If you feel like you're just seeing darkness in front of you, say, Jesus, help me to see you as my light here. Just offer a prayer to God. Or if you have nothing, pray for someone else that might be feeling like that. God, we come to you. We know that you are the truth, Jesus. We know that you are our hope. And you are our hope right in the middle of the darkness. You are the light that we need. You become who you need, who we need you to be in our lives. You become our hope right in the face of despair. We're the one that we truly need the most. So God, I pray that faith will rise, not because situations are good, but because God is good. I pray that faith will rise, not because situations are good, but because God is with us right in the middle of pain. So we look up to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We go to God. You know, and if you have joined us now to one day, 
of prayer and fasting. Uh, today we're just paying attention to that reality, that truth. That we go to God because God sees us. He sees our tears. We go to God because God hears our prayers. We go to God because we know that He cares. We go to God because God is fully present with us. So choose to go to God. And we have 14 more days to go of our prayer and fasting. And if you have not joined in, I want to ask you, join in for the next 14 days. Um, let's go to God together. In the first gathering, I share this message. And after I shared this message, uh, a gentleman called, called me and he just started to cry. And he, and he told me that in December, they found him with stage 4 cancer. He doesn't know how long he's got to live. So he asked for prayer. That us as a church, that we pray for him that we stand with him you know you, you preach something and and it's different when you actually see and this gentleman say thank you for the word I want to just take a moment to pray for Barry as he's experiencing this season just take a moment to pray for him that you're the God who does the impossible. So we pray and trust you for that. We trust you for healing. But more so, God, we pray for your peace to cover him and his family. There are times when you come, the storm around us, but there are times when you come us in the storm, and I pray that you bring calm in the storm. Bring your peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to have prayer counselors around. If you have anything else that you need prayer for, feel free to go to any of these prayer counselors and they're more than happy to pray with you. May we stand as we worship God one more time.